fourth episode of Little History. I'm James. This is my dad. How yes, are it you, is. Dad? I'm good. What you been up to since the last one? Well, I um yesterday I had my last day of this camp. I had it at MIT. It's really good. Um, they have like a lot of they have a bunch of different classes. They have like a lecture hall in the morning, and they'll have like stuff about. I did exoplanets and computer arts. So that was cool. I made a little sticker of a cartoon character and an exoplanet. We just learned about like the habitable zone and we did a lot of philosophy and it was just, it was really cool. That's awesome. I watch sports. <laughs> what would you watch? Would you watch? Uh, cricket. Cricket. Yeah, you can actually watch cricket over here, which is quite surprising, here being the US. Yeah. Um, England are playing India in the test match at Lords. if that's interesting to you. Right. It is interesting to me. Yeah. It's the second biggest sport in the world after soccer. Really? Yeah. I was, ex- I was thinking like something, I don't know, like tennis, maybe? Tennis? I Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, it's I, cricket. Um, good. Well, and what are we going to do for our topic this week? So, this week's topic is general resistance against German occupation during World War II. I will be doing the French Resistance. My dad has researched... You're speaking in a Dutch accent again. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Researched the the Dutch Resistance. Very good. Well, see, dropping into your semi-native Dutch there. Uh, That's true. Uh, So we'll be... That's our big topic, but also very exciting. We have a new feature, um, which we'll, we'll be calling Moments of Glory. Yes. And I don't want to... I don't want to make it sound... I don't want to oversell it. It's hard not to when you yeah. called it Moments of Glory. It may be the most exciting thing ever to be communicated across the auditory medium. Um, wow. Okay. So, that's, a... uh, that's, in fact, it almost certainly is. So okay. what is Moments of Glory? So basically, Moments of Glory are like tiny little funny bits in history that we've chosen. It doesn't have to relate to the topic whatsoever. Personally, I like it relating to the topic. Uh, good. So Moments of Glory will come after the main topic. Yes. Yes. Um, good. Well, I'm excited about that. also feels to me like that could be a good opportunity as well. People might want to submit those. Yeah. Like we could make them up, but maybe in the future, if, if people actually ever listen to this... <laughs> they might tell us some moments of glory and that might be a thing where we could just share other people's moments of glory all right should we get on to our main topic yes all right it's so it's resistance to german occupation in world war ii you'll be doing the french resistance i'll be talking a bit about the lesser known dutch resistance Uh, i have to get this out of my system just so that we don't do it all the way through right Obviously, it's the Résistance <laughs> and the Résistance, and they're the two things that, yes. that we're going to be covering. It might be more efficient to do that. It might get a bit annoying yeah. to listen to, but I just have to get that out. Before we dive in, let's talk about some of the context. So, World War II, France kind of capitulated yes. to the Germans, didn't they? Why don't you tell us a little bit well, about that? Well, the big old fart, as the French like to call him, General Patain. Over the there. big old fart? Yep, that's what they call them. <laughs> the children would say, Patain is a fart. <laughs> um, which I found quite funny. And he surrendered to the Germans because um, he didn't want Paris to be taken. 
I mean, that's galling, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the, the the French have this amazing history of being a military power. Yeah. And, uh, and the Germans ri- said, you know, we're going to take down the Eiffel Tower and ruin Paris. And they're like, you're right, forget it, I'm out. <laughs> we give in. And they had so much pride. Um, they were still really proud of their victory of the First World War. And then uh, it went... The, the, the French government was relocated way south, wasn't it? The, yes. the, the Germans pretty much said, we'll take the north and the west, so we'll take mm. all the bits with the seaports, we'll take the bits that perfectly line us up to attack Great Britain, and you guys can go down south. Yeah, in the Vichy puppet state. Yeah, so they had southern yeah. France, they relocated the government to this area called Vichy. But it wasn't just the surrendering, yeah. uh, I think, that has caused such sort of lingering bad sentiment in France yeah, as well. People were... it, it was the fact that the, the Vichy government was actually very right-wing. Yeah. They really fully collaborated with um, the yeah. more extreme They hated views. that. They absolutely hated that. There were people crying in the streets the day they saw Patain doing the Nazi salute. On yeah. stage, surrendering on that rail car before he went in. Um, they were crying. I mean, you might see photos of children, even adults, just bawling their eyes out. Well, it would be shocking, wouldn't it, to yeah, see your be... country just totally give yeah. up. After all of that, all of, after all those victories during World War One, you're thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to win. And, and it then... was really just one battle, the Battle of France. Yes, the, the... and then he surrenders yeah. after one battle. Really, really, really? Um, not not a proud moment. <laughs> um, and then Hitler actually made a point of signing the armistice yes, in, uh, the... in the exact same spot yeah. where the Germans had been forced to yeah. sign the, the surrender. The re- in the rail car. Kind of uh, reclaiming yes. uh, that, that to spot. To sort of rub it in their faces. Okay, so you've got a very unhappy French population mm. and, and uh, you've got the Vichy kind of puppet mm. Vichy regime that's relocated down to the south, but the Germans can pretty do pretty much do whatever they mm. want up in the north and the west. So that, that's the context in which the French resistance appeared. And then for the Dutch resistance, um, it was a slightly different approach. Now, because, because the Germans at the time were obviously dominated by the Nazis, the Nazis... Uh, had this totally racist ideology of mm. the Aryan Ubermensch. And they looked at the Netherlands and said, well, you know, these guys are Aryans. Um, so if we can kind of take the Netherlands with the minimum of fuss, yes. then we will. And they did something which I think was very clever, but kind of, I can't believe they got away with it. Yeah. They dressed up in Dutch army uniforms... And just started slowly sidling over the border. <laughs> they, I read in one bit that they ran out of Dutch army hats. Oh. So they made fake ones out of cardboard. Really? They did. Did cardboard even exist back then? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I think it, well, it clearly did. Oh, clearly it did. So, they, so they went in, and as far as I know, Dutch army hats weren't made out of cardboard. So they probably weren't very good. I don't think that's the first thing they noticed. Um, judging that all of a sudden they have a bunch of people coming into their military. Somebody must have noticed, like one of the superiors must have noticed that all of these people have suddenly joined the army. Well, so the weird thing is, they actually sent, over a few days, they had sent 
more Germans in disguise, German soldiers in disguised as Dutch soldiers, yeah. into the Netherlands than there were Dutch soldiers. How did nobody notice? And then they kind of went, all your flags are belong to us. <laughs> like, and obviously the, the Dutch didn't capitulate, but they were in a massive problem, very quickly overrun yeah. and, and occupied. So you've got two countries there, part of the, the German expansion in the Second World War, totally occupied. Our first topic is the French resistance. Yes. Why don't you tell us what you've learned? About my person or... About clans. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant... About the French resistance. All right. <laughs> Sorry, we won't keep that in. <laughs> All right. Why don't you tell us what you've learned? <laughs> you just calm down for a Alright. Why don't you tell us what you've learned? So the French resistance was, of course, one of the well, it was the biggest resistance movement um during World War Two. And what happened was after um, the capitulation of France, Charles de Gaulle, the um, president, prime minister of France, was evacuated to England. Do you know what that means? Um, it means Charles of Gaulle. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Not Charles de Gaulle. It's, Char- it's not like Charles yeah, de Gaulle. Yeah, it's, it's de Gaulle, but you know. Of Gaulle. Yeah. De means of. <laughs> okay. So... And he does a television and radio transmission. So the British, um, they tap into the German um, radio communication system. He says, keep fighting on. We have not capitulated. We will get back our land. Cool, cool. And I it kind of worked, but the, f- the first cells of the resistance were actually other political groups like communists and anarchists and liberals who were already a bit... Um, they weren't all, f- they were like really proud of their country. They wanted a change in the French government. Um, so they weren't only fighting for freedom against the Nazis, but they were also fighting for a newer government. And that's why the resistance movement didn't really become relevant until a couple of years later, because it's really hard to band them together. They're all looking to get their political campaigns in power. And the... Um, American generals. Oh, I see. I see. So it was. It, so there was resistance to the Vichy government saying, "Let's just have a, a let's just have a, a proper government." Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, they also wanted freedom against the Nazis, well, of course. Yeah. But they um, didn't want to put De Gaulle back in power. They wanted to put their own people in power. So fast forward, the Americans have joined the war, and a couple of American generals are sent over to get an organized resistance movement. And it was really hard because nobody could agree on every time one of the generals would like hold a meeting with potential resistance um, fighters. It always resulted to like their political want. And if they couldn't get that, then they wouldn't join. Right. So after a while, they eventually got an organ. They organized the French Resistance, aka the Maquis. They wanted people. Um, from very diverse backgrounds. Like, they had teachers, they had students, engineers, 
they wanted the people you least suspect as yeah. um as resistance fighters. That makes sense. So I mean, yes, it wouldn't make much sense yes. to have soldiers. So of course, you'd have the Vichy police, the Malice and the Gestapo confiscating the weirdest things. They would confiscate flashlights, pigeons, rabbits, because what they Rabbits? Yeah, rabbits. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's weird. And the reason they'd confiscate the flashlights is because what they would do is they would, um, the resistance movement would, at night, when the American bombing raids would come over um, France, they would do a certain, like, clicking pattern. A oh, pattern like Morse code kind of. Yeah, is. sort of, yep. but with light. Yeah. And if they got it right, then they would drop down a bunch of weapons, supplies, food... They would take the pigeons and the rabbits because the um, the Maquis or the French Resistance would use quite an old-fashioned technique that was used during World War One. They would have these little. They would have very thin paper. They'd wrap it up into little pellets, put it mm-hmm. in a capsule, and then um, they would have little leather pockets on pigeons, which they'd stick it in, and then they'd send it to fly. Yeah, so I've heard so, of carrier yeah. pigeons. Because carrier pigeons, pigeons they, they're like, you can train yes. them to always come back to, yeah. to and from the same place. And the same thing. I've never heard of carrier rabbits. Yeah, they had carrier rabbits. No. Yeah, they did. No. Yeah. <laughs> really? They would go over to farms and they would um, actually, they would put all the animals in the cages and then the German soldiers would take the stalks of their guns and just smash it. No, I get why they, they killed dead. them. I'm wondering, how do you train a rabbit to carry a message <laughs> I from don't one know. place to another? I'm not a rabbit trainer. Wow. They, um, they would kill pretty much every animal except the chickens and, and the cows, of course. Um, but Carrier rabbits. Yeah. That's amazing. How come I haven't heard of this? Because <laughs> you've been researching the Dutch resistance. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, so so they've taken their flashlights to stop the Morse code, and yeah. they've stopped the carrier pigeons yeah. and the the so-called carrier rabbits. Yes. All right, perfect. Keep going. So they also would smash the radios because, of course, the British SOE would tap in and be like, fight for the resistance. What was the SOE? The SOE was um, a collabor. Uh, it was a collaboration of kind of code breakers. You know what it stands for? I don't, but it was an American and British collaboration of kind of like hackers of the 1940s. They would awesome. tap into yeah, ra- yeah. So they would do transmissions during air raids, and a lot of what the French Resistance did was either sabotaging supply lines or tapping the wires. Oh, wow. Very cool. So, back to the part where I said they would like to recruit people who were unus- who wouldn't be suspected yeah. as freedom fighters. Yeah, kind of low-key. Yes. And I found probably one of the most famous, which was Nancy Wake. That doesn't sound very French. Yeah, it isn't French. She's actually a New Zealandish woman. Um, who, so basically what happened when she was very little, her father just ditched the family, didn't come home one night, and they assumed that he had ditched the family. 
So she had, she didn't, she really didn't, she was okay with her mother, but she really liked her father. She was what they would call like daddy's girl or something. So he would come home and read to her every night and all of a sudden he's just gone. So she has to do all the work and her mom's a bit grumpy all the time. And when she turns 16, she just runs away, um, gets on a boat and finds herself in France. And what's really impressive is that she trains herself to be a journalist and she teaches herself French. Wow. I mean, I, I, I just started learning French and I'm, I've like been doing it for a year. She would have had to learn it like that. But also learning it and being able to speak it you know, fluently. Really fluently and yeah. understand it really like fluently actually be... rather than saying, yeah. you know... I would like eggs for breakfast, or <laughs> yeah. I'd like to book a hotel room. So uh, Yeah, because it, it, it's enough to know the words, but you have to be able to make a conversation out of it. So she actually becomes really successful in her journalistic career. She becomes very rich. Um, she's going to all these fancy parties, and she meets a man called Henry, or Henri, as they would say in France. I don't think that's how they would say it. No, well, that's how... She, um, <clears throat> they don't pronounce the H right. Henri. Henri, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, but she met a man called Henri, who was also incredibly rich. So she's very well off. Um, but then comes the 19... It's 1938, and Hitler was elected as chancellor. Um, and Hitler has now just invaded Austria. So she's going to go to Austria and pick up on this big new story. And she's immediately horrified by what the Nazis have done. Um, she sees the Jewish have to wear the star. They're actually Nazis who would, they would paint um, the Jewish star on the windows of Jewish shop owners. Um, and it would force them to go bankrupt. And there was actually a Jewish shop owner who had washed off the paint, as any normal person would do. And then the... Um, the what they call the brown men. So before the Gestapo... Oh, the brown shirts. Yeah, the brown shirts. Hitler had his followers who were called the brown shirts. They took him out of his shops and they strapped him to one of the light poles and they whipped him in front of the public. Just, just there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Nancy, of course, wanting to expose them, or just for journalistic opinions, it's, it's debatable, but um, she takes a picture... And the, well, they can be the same thing. A big yeah, part it, of journalism is exposing it's exposing what's really happening. Yeah. Um, and she takes a picture, and one of the brown shirts, there are two of them, sees the flash, and he takes the camera and rips out the film. And back then, and even now, it destroys it. Yeah. Um, the whole of it, like her yeah, whole camera, yeah. that's really expensive. And they're like, you'll be next if you don't get out of here. I mean, it's, it is barbaric, like you said. So she really doesn't like um, the Nazis. And then the invasion of, of France comes around, and, of course, Henri has to go off and fight for the French army. She actually cried for a week after the surrender of France. How do we know that? Well, it was said in her journals. She, she must have looked like a prune at the end of that if it was non-stop. <laughs> no, it wasn't non-stop, but oh, okay. she was, like, constantly crying. Um, and she did call Patain an old fart in one of her journals. <laughs> um, but she 
then went to Henri and was like, listen, I, I don't like what the Nazis are doing, and Britain has no chance, so if we want to win this war, then we have to start up a resistance movement. And Henri's like, are you crazy? You, you drove an ambulance. Are, are you not happy? And she's like, mm, not really. There are still people who are suffering out there. It sounds to me like he doesn't know his wife that well. It's yeah, like, hey, I mean, you've, you've driven an ambulance. How could you possibly want to do anything else? Well, yeah, he was also a bit old-fashioned. He was like, it I really like don't it. want my wife out there. Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yet again, she convinced them. So she was living in a big mansion, and she helped um, Jews and soldiers who'd escaped the Stalags. Um and smuggled them off to England on boats. That's great. Um, but she naturally wants more, so a bit cheekily, she um, gets involved with a man. I can't remember his. I can't remember his name. It's something like Fred. Let's call him Fred. Yeah, yeah, we'll call him Fred. And she starts um, transporting radio components. When you say she gets involved with him, you mean like she has an affair with him? No, she doesn't or have an she affair. Just starts she she gets involved with, with his cell of the resistance. I see, I see. Um, so we're in the stage of like different political cells mm. of resistance. And she starts transporting British radio components to the radio operators so they can build them and start um, getting intelligence to the, S- the SOE. A man that only gave his first name, called Cole, was supposedly a British soldier who had fought at Dunkirk and had escaped from a Stalag. And she... Cole? Cole. And he said he was British? Yeah. That's not a very common name. Yeah, and Nancy... Now, I don't know if it was just the name. She never really said in any of her interviews, but um, she immediately ordered him out of the house. Just like... Get out of here. I don't want you here. And Fred was like, what the heck? He fought on Dunkirk. Just get him out to Britain. And she was like, he's a Gestapo spy, and I know it. And um, a week later, one of Fred's... uh, Fred gets arrested by the Gestapo and the SS. And he had two affiliates there, and Cole was there. And Fred recalled um, in one of his interviews that... Cole looked up and was just like, and then the Gestapo came over and arrested them, and he knew that he was a spy. And Nancy when you say was he was right. just like, what you mean? No, he, he just did. Um, he like kind of made a facial out. expression, yeah. like yeah, like get him. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah, I get him. Ugh. Uh, um, and Nancy knew it, and it's incredible because she never really said why. Of course, it could have been that uncommon name, but I mean, it was really quite a stroke of luck. Is it well, it, or a stroke of genius, yeah. or like brilliant intuition? Um, well, it wasn't really a stroke of luck because they got arrested. Can you imagine how how brave all of those people were? I mean, yeah. I mean, some of these people who have very well set jobs, who are very rich, are now sacrificing everything um, just to get people out of the country. It's very selfless. I mean, it's great. You when, need people who, yeah. who kind of put their humanity ahead of their own wealth, yeah. and I'm sure they were scared for themselves, and, their jobs and they were scared and, of the consequences. Yeah. I mean, Henri really didn't like it when Nancy went away. He was always afraid that she would get caught. Yeah. And she did. She actually did get caught. Um, oh. So she, before she got caught, she was the most wanted by the Malice, which was the Vichy police, and the Gestapo, which was the Nazi police. Can we just talk about that for a second? 
They yeah. called it the Malice? The Malice. Not the police. Yes. Okay. It was... That seems a bit lazy. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> so, we're not going to call it the police. What should we call it? Um, the Malice. Um, Fine. That'll do. That'll do. Any idea where that came from? I don't know. All right. Um, but... And also, why didn't they just call it the police? I know. Well, they're French, <clears throat> of course. They could have just said the French word for police. It's police. The Vichy police. The that, French that, word that, for that police is police. That Actually, was... it's gendarme, but... Oh, well, they could have just called it the Vichy police. I mean, that would have been much better than the police. I mean, really. Okay. But, um, uh, she got off a train and she was captured and she was beaten to, like, she was nearly crippled, like. Wow. She was bad. She could have broken something. Um, but Fred, who has now escaped, comes in and pretends to be hit. Um, her husband and gets her out of there. What? I mean, she had a lot of close calls during her life, but I think that was... The closest? Yeah. How does he get her out of there? I mean, that seems weird. If she's been arrested, he can't just wander in and go, oh, by the way, I'm her husband and I'm going to take her home. They didn't know she was Nancy Wake. They were trying to um, get a confession out of her by torturing her. they were torturing her. I see. They were torturing her and trying to see if she was really the white mouse. But, um, the White Mouse, is that yeah. what she was known as? That's yeah. what Nancy Wake was, was yeah, known as. Yeah, because um, no, the whole thing was, no matter how how much they think the Gestapo had really cornered her, or the Malice thought they had really cornered her, she always found a way out. Always. Mm. Um, That's very and clever. they never, ever found out she was the White Mouse. So, Fred, who has now escaped and is kind of on the run... Um, convinces the Gestapo that she's not the White House, um, White Mouse, White House. Um, she's not the White House. Either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, he pretends to be her husband and um, smuggles her out of the jail, and then they head off to England. Okay, so this is a woman from New Zealand. Yeah. Who's taught herself French, married a Frenchman, yeah. lives in basic splendor and luxury. Yeah. Volunteered to be an ambulance driver during yeah. the war, then said, "That's not enough." I need to help people, I need to help the Jews, I need to help yeah. prisoners of war who are escaping, I'm going to help with this pipeline of people to Britain yeah. to get them to safety. She puts herself in incredibly precarious positions. Oh my Lord, yeah. She's tortured, doesn't confess, always manages to get away with it, and then she heads off to Britain. And is she safe there? Is that where things end? Oh no, this, isn't, this, this is not even where things end. Wow. So, she, the SOE gets ear of what she's been doing... And she's actually trained to um, be an SOE spy. Awesome. Um, so she of course she learns the flashlight technique. Um, she learns how to use a handgun, a grenade. Um, she, Does she learn about messenger rabbits? Uh, no, they didn't use them. They like some of the, uh, the resistant the um the resist the freedom fighters who were farmers and who had families who were farmers. Did they use? They use. They were rabbits. the ones who used the rabbits. <laughs> they used the rabbits and the pigeons. Okay. Um, but yeah, so she gets trained, and she also learns how to parachute. But the problem is, she's incredibly afraid of heights, and the only way she can get back to France safely is via um, jumping out of one of the B B twenty seven bot. Is that, that is that safe? Yeah, I mean, it's safe, but 
Um, it's the only, it's safe, of course, because they're in night raids and they're packed, they have a lot of bombers going over, so they won't know which one, but, um... Okay, I guess uh, things are relative. I mean, relatively safe. Yeah, yeah. And she actually says to the sh- the soldier behind her, you're going to have to push me. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> He's like, I, I can't. <laughs> What's that person meant to do? I'm too scared to jump. You're going to have to push me. And and she was like, are you going to push? And he just pushed her off. And she was meant to go to a Maquis cell. Now, this is when the resistance has unified into one body yeah. and then sort of spread out across the country. Yeah. And there are a lot of resistance movements who had been hiding in the mountains. So during one of the bombing raids, her B-17 bomber diverted off of its course and um, jumped um, out into the mountains. And she got stuck in the tree. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, I think that happened quite a lot. People would get stuck in oh, trees. Yeah. I mean, I mean you, it's at night time. You don't have... It's in the mountains. <laughs> okay, so she stuck up a tree up a mountain. So um, one of the Marquis soldiers manages to find um, her and cuts her down. So when she gets to the base, she overhears a conversation between two of the soldiers, that, and they say, she's a woman, they won't notice if she's gone, let's just kill her and take her money. After all of that... Wow. They killed her? No, they didn't. Oh, good. She actually went up to the boss guy who was talking about it and slapped him right across the face. Awesome. And said, you try. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So she continues to work in that movement, and she assassinates um, a bunch of German o- Nazi officers. And finally, the final thing, and I think the hardest thing she ever did in the resistance movement, so their radio was um, broken during an attack. So they had all gone out of the base. The Nazis came, basically ransacked everything, and the radio was broken. So she had to go to this another radio operator's house and get them to send a signal to drop them another in an airdrop. And it was 200 kilometers away. Wow. She had to do that bike ride, go past all the checkpoints, and then when she arrived, the guy was like, password? And she was like, I don't know, can you just let me in? And it, to- and it took a lot. They were, sit- they were there for a couple of minutes. She finally got in, and then she had to do it all again. So she cycled 200 kilometers without the password, yeah. persuaded them to let her in. And then 200 kilometers oh all the way back. I mean, she had like, she was, it wasn't like, it was a blip, it was just like, you know when you're like wearing flip-flops for a really long time and like the skin? It was like <laughs> spots of just red all over her leg. Yeah, yeah, but it she was, was exhausted. It was just, oh my lord. She was caught in the tree. She was threatened with death. She smacked the guy in the chops and said, don't do that. Yeah. Then she did 200 kilometer bike ride and 200 kilometer bike ride back. That was to what? To What was that for again? Um, It was for another radio. For a radio uh, communications thing. Then she goes back up to Normandy yeah. and she helps the Marquis. Yeah. And what was she doing up there? Um, So she had to sabotage the bridges so German reinforcements wouldn't come to the beaches of Normandy to Oh, to slow them yeah. down. Um, wow. And she also led the charge to chase the Germans out of France. And what was really sad was after all of this happened, she found out that 
um, she had told Henri not to continue using this, um, the smuggling routes to get yeah. people out. Yeah. But Henri had continued to smuggle Jews and yeah. prisoners out of the country. And he was arrested, tortured, and then killed by firing squad. Oh, no. So while she was off... Yeah, and she never. Doing all she this had amazingly been, heroic stuff. He'd been killed. She had never been able to write to him. Oh, that's terrible! But what a hero! What yeah, an she, amazing she was. Woman. The she was the most wanted by the Gestapo and the SS, and probably the not the most high ranking, of course, but probably one of the greatest women in the entire French Resistance. Unbelievable! And, and people. And I'm assuming she got lots of accolades. And oh yeah, of course she got after the war. Um, the American Medal of Honor. Um, the Australia, she got the New Zealandish gold badge. She got the French croque de jour, um, with stars and the French flag. Croque du jour? Yeah. Okay. Um, Crocodile of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's a weird name, but, um. Okay. And she also got the Legion d'honneur twice, which is basically an honorary sort of badge for heroes of the second world war and she got it twice unbelievable wow there were some others for a bunch of different countries but what an amazing woman yeah nancy wake yeah nancy wake well that was awesome yeah um she did a lot she did a lot so uh i'm not i definitely can't match that (laughs) no (laughs) no 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 i want to hear this so i'm going to talk a bit just briefly uh, about the Dutch resistance. Now, um, as we said last time, we have some Dutch family. Um, yes. My wife, your mum, is Dutch. Uh, we've been over there quite a lot. The yeah. sand dunes in the town that they live in still have the bunkers oh, yeah. uh, that were set up by the Germans to face the North Sea. Mm. Now, the Dutch resistance, as we mentioned at the top, Holland had been occupied over the space of four days, mm. which was... You know, Hitler thought he could get the Netherlands within two hours. It took him four days. Um, yeah. But, I mean, they were just overrun. It's a small country. Yeah. Um, and the Germans had gone in by stealth, and and it was quite a successful occupation. Mm, and <clears throat> the Dutch resistance was far more passive, for the most part, than the right. French resistance. Yeah. What they did was they published lots of newspapers. At one point, they were publishing, like, 1,100 counter propaganda newspapers that were all being you know handed out throughout the population they were broadcasting you know anti-german propaganda on Mm. the radio and they were protecting jews and also romani um people who were also being persecuted romani romani uh so travelers so there were hundreds of thousands of people who were protected um obviously anne frank is the most famous yes um a case of that, that, you know, the diary of Anne Frank is about a oh, yeah. Jewish girl and her family who are being protected uh, in a house in, in the Netherlands. So it was very much kind of a peaceful, primarily a peaceful protest uh, and, and resistance, uh, but it was still heavily punished. People mm. who were uh, participating in those propaganda efforts would be arrested executed, tortured, sent to camps. It was, it was handled very, very harshly. No. The other thing that we, we also know is that there, we know this from primary evidence, yeah. uh, is that there were collaborators. Yeah. So there were Dutch people who kind of sided with the Germans and would try and say, hey, there's, yeah. you know, this family here is hiding some Jewish people. 
Uh, and in fact, even in Mum's family, yeah. one of the great great uncles was really ostracized yeah. from the rest of the family after the war because he had been a yeah a he was Nazi a collaborator. collaborator he was arrested and put in jail I'm pretty sure for life and they didn't really hear of him right ever so that's um yeah I mean it's inevitable uh that that you know people take sides yeah. um so what was a bit less peaceful now lots of people may know that in in Holland actually Bikes are everywhere. People yeah. just cycle everywhere. There was just an article I read this week that said Dutch teenagers are the happiest and healthiest in the world, mm. uh, lowest rates of depression, and they actually think that this is partially because they're out on their bikes so much. Yeah. The average Dutch teenager cycles 2,000 kilometers a year, which is a lot. Yeah. It's the primary form of transport. It helps that the country's flat as a pancake. <laughs> um, but they used to have cycle by shootings. What? Which made me laugh my head off the first time I heard about it because, of course, we've heard the concept of drive-by shootings. Oh, yeah. But yes, so there would be two German officers, I know, standing outside a, an office or a restaurant yeah. having a smoke, and uh, a Dutch resistance person would come cycling by, <laughs> shoot them both, and then cycle off into the dark. Um, so that was kind of one of the preferred methods of uh, less peaceful protest. <laughs> now, Another thing that, that, that came about, which I thought was kind of funny, was there's something known as um, Dollar Dinsdag, which yeah. is, uh, in English means, um, Mad Tuesday. And what happened was the Germans had been occupying the Netherlands for a long time. The resistance, as we know, had all been pretty passive uh, for the most part. Um, and then the BBC radio broadcast... Um, said that the Allied forces had broken into the Netherlands, broken through mm. German uh, boundaries, and had taken back the city of Breda. And this caused panic, mm. um, because the Germans, it was a peaceful occupation for the most part. They were having a pretty good life, and they panicked. So the Germans and the Dutch collaborators, literally on the spot, freaked out across Holland and started going up and grabbing people's bikes, pushing the Dutch people off their bikes, and trying to cycle out of Holland back into Germany uh, to get away from the oncoming Allies. Then it became clear that actually the Allies had not broken through, and hopefully they all felt really, really stupid. And what year was this? Uh, that was 1944 that oh, Dardine's death well, uh, happened. Only a couple more months, Germany. Yeah, exactly. It's, it is the case, uh, and again, we've seen this firsthand, that, that there's some lingering bad feeling. And, and it's become a bit more good-natured over time, but it's still the case that when German tourists go to certain parts of Holland, mm -hmm. the Dutch will shout at them, Hey, where's my bike? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a, a reference back uh, uh. To, to just uh, to tease them a bit. Um, and we've also seen as well that when there are German tourists, so um, my wife and James's mum comes from quite a nice touristy town mm -hmm. uh, on the coast of Holland, that when German tourists will ask for directions, which you inevitably need to do if you're a tourist, mm, yeah. some of the uh, less respectful teenagers just say immigrada aus, which means just keep going. And it doesn't matter what direction they're facing in, they just go, yeah, immigrada aus, just keep, keep going that way, that way. And so uh, these kinds of 
rivalries between countries are, you know, not uncommon. And uh, at least these days, it's not viewed, uh, it's not done really to yeah, be mean. It's, just, it's, it's, done, it's done as a bit of teasing. But um, the Dutch resistance, I think, you know, very different to the French resistance. Yeah, Nowhere course. near as, as... Yeah, I mean, you had literal drive-by shootings, train line sabotages. Blowing up bridges. Tapping into, like, secret calls and telegrams and and you have the Dutch resistance that at their most violent are shooting officers and then cycling away. Mm-hmm. Well I mean look there was that 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 takes a lot of bravery as well. Yeah, I, I guess mean you really get away quicker on your bike than you can on foot. I mean, so, uh, yeah. so it makes sense. But uh no I mean I think it's just a, 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 a shows a huge amount of bravery for mm. people to do the right thing. Um, do Even the right thing, knowing face. that it could cost them their lives, yeah. could cost their families, their health and safety and wealth, um, and they still did the right thing. And I think uh, all the people who were involved in that deserve uh, to be remembered, you know, as the heroes they were. Mm. Okay, so French resistance, Dutch resistance, yes, covered both of those. And I think we've sort of, again, they're, they're very big topics. Oh, yeah. It's, it's I mean, too huge. big for us to... Um, I mean, Nancy Wake was quite hard to sort of compact. Yeah, yeah. I, and indeed, didn't. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I did my best. No, you did amazingly. <laughs> now, we are going to go on to the potentially, potentially hyperbolic title... Uh, for our new segment, Moments of Glory. <laughs> I, I can't see how this could possibly go wrong. Okay, James, so what's your moment of glory? So, the French Resistance did a bit more of a passive thing, um, a bit more of a passive sabotage. What they would do is they would get supply drops from the SOE of something called itching powder, which makes you itch. Um... And they would go into um, storage facilities where uniforms would be stored before they were delivered and rub it into the uniforms. And there was one case where a U-boat went out but had to actually come back because they thought the um, ship was infested with fleas because they all had caught dermatitis. Wow. And the U-boats were actually taking down big supply ships, oh, causing yeah. all sorts I mean, of havoc. Were, so um, that's a very effective thing to do. Yeah. But who'd have thought? Itching powder yeah. as a weapon. Um, I mean, it's quite creative, honestly. That's awesome. Yeah. My moment of glory has nothing to do with the French resistance. Okay. It, nothing at all. Um, it has nothing to do with the Second World War, even. Oh. Um, it's to do with... Um, what I think is something that isn't covered enough and these people don't get the their just desserts. And mm-hmm. that is people in history who have died laughing. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it does happen. I have two examples for my moment of glory. Mm-hmm. The first I might have shared with you before is from... It it's actually was first in a book called Shots Miscellany. And um, going back a very long time, I don't know the exact year... But one of the ancient kings of Nepal died of laughter after watching a monkey trying to put on a pair of boots, which um, I thought was quite funny. (laughs) There was a 3rd century BC Greek Mm -hmm. Stoic philosopher called Chrysippus, 
who saw a donkey eating his figs, <laughs> suggested to one of his servants that he might like to have a bottle of wine to wash the figs down with, and then laughed for five minutes and died. <laughs> And the reason, by the way, that this is so important to me is I, one time, I thought I might die of laughing. And it's a shame because I was an adult and the thing that made me laugh so much, I thought I was going to die. Like I was getting panicky. I thought I was going to die. I was laughing so hard. Was that one of my brothers had belched into a tea towel when we were, <laughs> when we were in the kitchen. Um, and I don't know, it just hit me wrong and I couldn't stop and I've been kind of obsessed with the idea of dying of laughter because there was a bit where I was like, I'm not sure I can stop um, so anyway, that's my moment of glory okay. Chrysippus dying of laughter after a donkey ate his figs oh. alright Jamesy, so what's our topic for next time? so our next topic will be crazy weapons and although I don't feel confined to World War II Hitler requested for some, like, pretty crazy stuff. Okay. So, crazy weapons. But we may expand out beyond yeah. just the, the World War II era. Okay, excellent. That'll be a good one. Now, so we've now covered the French Resistance, the Dutch Resistance. We've done our moments of glory. Yes. And glorious they were. So, all that I think we need to do now is just tell people that if right. uh, they have corrections or suggestions, then please do let us know. We'd like to hear about it. Um, so let us know over email, which is littlehistorypod at gmail.com. Uh, you can contact us on Twitter, which is at history underscore little. Uh, and now we've just set up our Instagram account, which is littlehistorypod. Uh, and if you go on there, you can see a couple of pictures, actually yeah. see a picture of me and James, see a picture of Franz Ferdinand, and we'll be loading up a bit more there about some of the, the topics that we've covered so far. So please do let us know. We'd love to hear, um, you know, all the stuff we've got wrong, uh, anything you'd like us to cover, any suggestions you might have for moments of glory. <laughs> and uh, until then, I think it's time to say goodbye. You got anything else all to right. say? Uh, no, I don't. All right. You can say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.